welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Today we take a break from our Old Corner of Canaan series to bring you a standalone message entitled, Where Will You Bury Your Heart? And with today's message, here is Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. But I want to I want to talk to you today on this subject. Where will you bury your heart? I want to talk about that today. His name was Sam Sasser. He was a beloved spirit-filled missionary to the Marshall Islands. He traveled to each of the twenty-nine atolls that made up the Marshall Island chain. The same islands which he had fought. In the Second World War. At his funeral the following prayer was made on Sam's behalf. Now that I have gone to God I ask that you remember these things he had said. Bury my body but don't bury my love. Bury my eyes but not my vision. Bury my feet but not the path of my life. Bury my hands but don't bury my efforts. Bury my shoulders but not the concern that I carried. Bury my voice, but not my message. Bury my mind, but do not bury my dreams. Bury me, but do not bury my life. If you must bury something, he said, bury my sins, my weaknesses, and let my love for each of you continue in Jesus. Amen. After his funeral, his kids boarded a plane bound for the Marshall Islands. And once there, they fulfilled Sam's final request. He said, bury my body in the United States if you must, but bury my heart in the Marshall Islands. Dave Reaver was a Navy SEAL who fought in the Vietnam War. Over 60% of his body was burned and scarred when a phosphorus grenade exploded in his hand. But instead of becoming bitter, he used this lesson to speak to millions of people around the world. He says, my scars are on the outside. What are you doing with the ones on the inside of your life? Dave returns to Vietnam frequently. He raises money in the States to assist children in Vietnam. Instead of hating those people, he loves those people, and his love is evidenced by the gifts he brings. Recently, Dave made a touching statement. He said, I will have my heart buried in Vietnam. It was a cold winter's night when Robert Moffat, famed missionary to Africa, came to preach in a small church in Scotland. A snowstorm prevented all but a handful of ladies from coming to church that night. And Moffat must have felt terribly confused because his sermon text was from Solomon's words from the Proverbs when he said, Unto you, O men, I call. But hidden upstairs in the bellows of a pipe organ was a young man named Livingstone. Yeah, David Livingstone. And he listened with rapt attention as Moffat said, I have seen the campfires of a thousand African villages who know not the name of Jesus Christ. A fire started burning in Livingstone's heart. He answered the call to Africa, and there he traversed 29,000 miles across a dark continent. 
His mother died while he was in Africa. He could do nothing but weep. His wife died on the mission field with him. He buried her body beneath a tree. A newborn son died. A full-grown son on the Civil War battlefield died. Livingstone continued his mission. He died in Africa, and England grieved at the news of his death. And Florence Nightingale said, the greatest man alive is gone. My wife and I went to England. We have stood before his crypt in Westminster Abbey, where the mission of his life is engraved, and it simply says to evangelize, to explore, to emancipate. His body's buried there, but somewhere near the base of Victoria Falls, Africa, his last request was honored. His heart was buried in Africa. These three men, Sam Sasser, Dave Reaver, and David Livingstone, each had a great love for people of a different land. And their lives were like an Old Testament drink offering poured out to others. And each man had his heart or will have his heart buried in the place where he had poured out his affection. My question today is I wonder to whom or what will you give your heart today? I don't know and I don't come today with pretty words. There's no profundity. There is no complexity in my meaning. I'm just going to be a hard straight preacher today. I come to tell you the simplest 11 words that I've ever read out of Christ's mouth. Matthew 6 and 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let me say it again, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So I have a question for you this Sunday, a question dealing with the heart. Where will you bury your heart? I need not tell you where my 11 word verse originates. It's penned in red straight from the heart and the mouth of Jesus Christ. I don't need to remind you when he said it. It's as familiar as any verse in the Bible. Yet for those who don't know, it was on a hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. The crowd was hushed. The voice that spoke that day whirls into existence. He spoke them long ago. He spoke to each heart present that day. And Jesus told his hearers how to be blessed and how to possess a godlike bliss. And he talked to them about their purpose in life, to be salt and light. And he introduced them to God verbs, God verbs, to be like the heavenly father. He said, we pray, that's a God verb. We fast, that's a God verb, and we give. Each is to be done in a manner pleasing to God. This is the heart of a sermon on the mount. He talked about priorities. In 6 and 19, he said, lay up, not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Don't do that, but lay up your treasures in heaven where there is no moth and rust and where thieves do not break through and steal. I'm asking this morning, I'm really asking you a heavy question. Where will you bury your heart? Who are you gonna praise in this last hour? What are you gonna do with your life before the Lord comes for you in the clouds or in death? I'm here to declare my heart is gonna be buried in Jesus Christ. And my life is going to be buried in the church of the living God. I give my heart to the Lord today. Anybody want to do that with me? Come on, clap your hands all over the house. I give my heart to him today. I'm going to preach three little old points. The first is some set their hearts on momentary treasures. Just now, just now stuff. Like Achan of old, they long for gold, not trying to be a poet. 
in the childhood story toward the end of Dorothy's journey to the Emerald City. She strayed from her assigned path. A field of beautiful poppies lured her and her companions from the yellow-bricked road. And intoxicated with the fragrance of what she was there in, she slept. She slept within sight of the Emerald City. Aiken was within sight of a 400-year dream come true, but he longed for the momentary. He longed for the now, and he slept within sight of the city. Others in the Bible have done likewise, like Gehazi. Some seek wealth and status in the momentary time. Gehazi was Elisha's servant. Elisha had served Elijah. Gehazi served Elisha. And Elisha had received a double portion of Elijah's spirit. What could Gehazi have received? We will never know because Gehazi chose prosperity over productivity. He chose the carnal rather than the spiritual kingdom. Many still do the same thing like Diotrephes in John 3. Some seek power and position. John wanted the young gayest and he warned him of such men as this. Power hungry people can be found in any area of life but only in life. As the director of a funeral that oversaw the burial of Howard Hughes once said, and I read the statement, he said, death is a leveling experience. There is no power in the graveyard. When the Italian city, Pompeii, was excavated and the fossilized remains of a woman was found, I'm preaching today. Her posture told the story. Her feet pointed toward the city gate. But her twisted torso and outstretched arms reached for something, something beyond her fingertips. The researchers dug more and found what she was reaching for. It was a bag of pearls. A bag of pearls. When Vesuvius erupted, she ran. Knowing death was imminent, she raced toward the city gates. And her feet pointed in the right direction. But her heart reached in the other direction for a treasure that was only momentary. Blaise Pascal said it this way, the last thing one knows is what to put first. If you ever have decided in your life what to put first, let me tell you today, before we ever take communion, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Would any man stand with me and clap your hands right now and say, as for me and my house, pastor, we're going to serve the Lord. Come on, would any man do that right now? Come on. Would any man do that right now? Please be seated. I hear more haunting words than these. Remember Lot's wife, Luke 17, 32, Jesus said, on that fateful day of escape from the cities that marked, were marked for destruction, her feet were pointed toward the mountains of salvation and freedom, but her heart was bent on destruction. I wonder, I just wonder what she had left in Sodom, what she had left there. Her husband was with her. Her daughters were present. What more could a wife and a mother desire? Her family was safe. Yet something lured her, something indecent, some indecent obsession called for, some novelty, some trinket, some fantasy had captivated her heart. And Jesus just gave us three words. Remember Lot's wife. Jesus used her life to remind us that if we cling to our lives, if we cling to our lives, we will lose them. It's only when we lose our lives that we will find them. If you hoard things, you're going to lose life. If you invest in others, you will find life. 
You cannot be happy with momentary things in life. You've got to reach for the eternal and quit reaching to the temporal. I can't point your feet toward a city if you're constantly reaching back for something that's temporal in your life. Shake off that stuff and reach for Almighty God today and say, as for me and my house and our family, we're going to point our feet, we're going to point our mind, and we're going to point our hearts toward home. You cannot be overwhelmed with momentary things. So the second point I preach today is very simply, we set our hearts on eternal treasures. Very simple. Nothing deep about this. Matthew 6, 19 and 20 says, Lay not up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust corrupts. And where thieves do not break through and steal. The future for earthly treasures is only moth, rust, and thieves. But heavenly treasures have a certain future. What are heavenly treasures? Scripture reveals so many. Number one, our prayers ascend into heaven according to Revelation chapter 8 and 4. Every time you pray, I don't care if it feels like it's a solid brass wall above you, your prayers are going to the heavenlies. Daniel prayed one day and it took 21 days for his prayer to get answered, but the angel came and said, the prince of Persia withstood me. I heard you the first day you prayed. Let me tell you something. You hear me. You listen to me. It's never too late to start praying in your life. Your prayers are eternal. Come on, lift up your hands and say, I'm going to start praying. I'm going to put my heart in the right place, Pastor. The Bible said our tears are stored in bottles. Psalms 56 and 8. Our sacrifice, like those of Cornelius reaching to the heavens, Acts 10 and 4. Our actions will one day receive the heavenly benediction well done, Matthew 25 and 23. And our witnessing shines like stars in the heavens when you tell somebody about Jesus Christ. When you tell somebody that there's a better way than what they're going. There's a better way than what they're walking right now. There is something that shines in the heavenlies according to Daniel 12 and 3. Proverbs eleven thirty said, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that wins souls is wise. Have you influenced anybody lately toward Jesus Christ? Have you turned anybody's heart toward home in this life? I'm here to declare to you there is a crown waiting for soul winners in heaven. There is a crown. Our rewards are eternal. We're not going to be stuck on the momentary things of life. We're going to reach for the things that matter most, and that's the eternality of being with the Lord forever and ever and ever. I know I'm preaching different today, but I'm talking about Jesus in my heart and in my life, and I'm talking about where I'm going to put my heart, where I'm going to place it one day, and I place it right here today in the arms of Jesus and my life in this church. Say amen to that. Two brothers were busy playing on the sandy shores of a mighty river. And their enjoyment blinded them to the already late hour, to the dangers of the shifting sand. When they didn't return home that evening, a search party was formed. 
And early in the morning hours, a younger brother was found alive with only his head and shoulders protruding from the sand. When the rescue party cleared the sand to the boy's waist, he awakened. And the searchers asked, where is your brother? And the boy replied, I'm standing on his shoulders. With the sacrifice of his own life, the older brother had lifted up the younger boy to safety. He buried his heart in the salvation of one that he loved. Can I say something? You need to bury your heart in lifting others. You need to bury your heart in promoting others. Jesus, one might ask, how do I bury my heart? And he answered this, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Everybody say it, where my treasure is. It's where my heart's going to be. Say it again. Where my treasure is. It's where my heart's going to be. My third point and I conclude. My heart will follow my treasure. The word treasure means investment. The word treasure means you're invested in something. And where you spend your time is where your heart will be. Where you pour out your emotion and energies, your heart will be found there. Where your passion is, your heart will find it as a resting place. We get it backwards sometimes. We think if a person loves something enough, his treasure will follow. No. Jesus said our heart is the follower. It's not the leader. Many times we give ourselves to a cause without feeling a particular love for it. But the more we invest ourselves, the greater our hearts are drawn there. Sometimes we need to see our marriage that way. When you start investing in our marriage, because the more you invest in your marriages, the more your heart's going to be tied to that marriage. The more you invest yourself in church, you're going to be tied to a church. The more you invest yourself in Jesus Christ, your heart's going to follow. The heart never leads, it always follows. Your treasure is what's going to lead your heart somewhere. It's the most common adjective found in the Acts of the Apostle. It's found in the first verse. It's found in the last verse. It's found in each and every chapter of the book of Acts. Over 200 times in the whole book. It's a little Greek word called pas, P-A-S. In English, it's called simply all. Would you say all? All. A-double-L. All through the book of Acts. You know why the church was so powerful? Because they gave all. They just gave it all. Have you ever wondered what would really happen if you really invested in church and really invested in Jesus Christ? If you just really gave everything, if you really just poured out yourself to him as a drink offering, have you ever really thought of what life could really be like if you really just invested in prayer and invested in soul winning and invested in loving others and invested in encouraging one another and invested in honoring somebody? Have you ever really thought about what it would be like if you didn't think about yourself first and others last, but you thought about others first and God always in your life? Have you ever thought about it? It's like pouring or putting a basket and turning it upside down. Everything, everything is spilled when you give all. Everything is spilled. When believers give all, they turn their worlds upside down. Do you remember the verse in Ecclesiastes 11 to 1? It says, cast your bread on the water. And after many days, after many days, it shall return unto you. Anybody want to cast some kindness today? Anybody want to cast some love today? 
There's a hurting man going to be at a funeral this afternoon. Anybody want to cast some love and some kindness and some pity and some sympathy today? Anybody want to do that? Anybody? We are living in unique times in the church right now. You hear me? And God is getting a church ready for something greater than you've ever imagined in your whole life. The trumpet of the Lord may sound at any time. You hear me? I'm talking. I know I don't say this all the time, but I'm telling you, we're living at the end of the end right now. And I believe with all my heart, it's time that we bury our heart in something besides momentary things. It's time that we bury our heart in eternal things. And it's time that we know where our treasure is because where our treasure is, it's where our heart's going to be. Why don't you reach over and just pat your neighbor. I know it sounds goofy and silly, but just pat your neighbor and say, you matter to me. Tell them that right now. Say you matter. Come on, say you matter. Say you matter. And you matter while you're still alive. You matter while you're still on earth. It's not after you're gone. You matter. George Jones used to sing a song, Nashville, sure tough on the living, but it speaks mighty well of the dead. You hear me today. I don't want to be speaking well of the dead and I'm tough on the living. If I'm going to give love, if I'm going to show flowers, if I'm going to give condolences, if I'm going to give help, if I'm going to give honor, I'm going to give it while somebody can receive it today. And I honor this church this morning and I honor this congregation today and I honor Jesus Christ today and I honor the presence of God today. And I honor what he's doing in our lives today. There's three interpretations. Let me go real quickly through them. Then I close. Then I close. To cast your bread on the water, first of all, could refer to sowing fields that have been covered with a river at flood stage. When a river flooded bringing nutrients and moisture across the land that was normally not irrigated. Solomon instructed farmers not to only sow the seed corn, but to also sow the bread corn. Sow everything you have. When you're in a flood stage and when God is blessing your life and when God is prospering you, it's time to go all in. You know, football teams are saying it right now. It's all in. Come on, it's all in. They got that from a poker game, but it doesn't matter where they got it. I want to go all in for Jesus. I want to push all my chips on the table and say, Lord, I'm dependent on you. I'm in this thing. I'm in this thing, hook, line, and sinker. I'm in this thing. Come hell or high water, I'm a part of the church of the living God. Come on, let's sow. Let's do some sowing like we never have. Let's be a part of a church that's moving forward. Let's give as never before. Let's worship as never before. Let's show kindness like we've never shown it before. It's time to not only plant seed corn, but to plant bread corn. Another way to cast bread on the water is when a farmer would take his produce and ship it to a far country. And when that far country would get it, they'd put exotic things on a boat and ship it back to that farmer. What's sad is this. What's sad is this, is that some people are waiting for their ship to come in, and they've never sent one out. If you're going to get blessed, you're going to have to praise him just a little. If you want him to stir up your family, you're going to have to pray just a little. If you want him to save your loved ones, you're going to have to call on his name just a little. Why don't you put some produce in your ship and send it to the heavenlies today and see what God can send back to you. Amen.
There's a lot of stuff he wants to send back to you today. Come on, clap your hands for that. That's good stuff. And the third way, the final interpretation follows an ancient harvest custom. When the crop was good, bread would be baked. It'd be placed in a basket that would be pitched and carried to the river. And a thanks offering, the bread would be placed on the surface of the river and float down the stream to people below that would receive the bread. And then if you ever got in trouble, knowing that you had put some bread down the stream, you could come back to that same stream and look upstream and maybe some bread would be floating towards you. But the problem with a lot of people is we never look upstream. We're always looking downstream. You've got to change your posture of where you're looking. You may send the blessing downstream, but you need to be looking upstream because every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of light in whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. There's something coming on the water for you. Amen. I feel a blessing in the house right now. I feel heaven in the house right now. I feel like God wants to do something in your life right now, today. Give, and it shall be given. Ask, and you shall receive. Knock, and the door shall be opened. I speak to someone today who wants to get involved in God's business. I speak to someone who wants to put his heart in something eternal. I speak to someone who is tired of wasting time. I tell someone that the treasure of this world will fail and fade. I remind you that the pleasures of heaven are eternal. It's time to bury your heart into something worthwhile. I close. Randy, help me. At the death of Charlemagne in the ninth century, the Roman emperor was buried as he requested setting upright on his throne, crown on his head, scepter in his hand, royal cape around his shoulders. That's how he wanted to be buried. But he asked that an open Bible be placed on his lap. Nearly two centuries later, the emperor Othello unsealed Charlemagne's grave to see if his wishes had been carried out, and they had been. Only now, after 200 years, the crown was tilted on the former emperor's skull. The scepter, now tarnished, laid on the floor where it had fallen. The royal cape was moth-eaten and in tatters. But there on his lap still lay the Bible. Open to the passage that Charlemagne had requested. Matthew 16, 26, for what is a man profited? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Wow. I got a question to ask. Where's your treasure? Look at your calendar. Look at your daily schedule. That's where your treasure is. Look at your wallet. Look at your bank account. That's where your treasure is. And wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Wherever you spend your time, wherever you spend your energies, that's where your heart is. But I have one more question for you tonight, today. Where will you bury your heart?
Sam Sasser, Dave Reaver, David Livingstone. They all have a place at their heart. Was buried or will be buried. But where are you going to bury yours? Sometime in, in your life, you know, it doesn't happen. I've always said revival doesn't happen in a rally. Revival happens in a solitary place. You're going to have to come clean with God for yourself. But sometime in your life, I wished that there was some of you that would just make that decision that says, you know what? Pastor, you got me today. and Maybe I didn't show it, but I'm going to go home and I'm going to make some changes in my life. Because I want to bury my heart in the right place. I want my treasure in the right place. I want want my joy to come from the right system. I want to drink water from the right well. I want to worship in the right way. You know, I enjoy sports as much as anybody. I really do. But the San Antonio Spurs, liking them, won't take me to heaven. I enjoy food. Bluebell's coming back next Monday. You know how I know? Because I've had 6,700 texts, 4,700 Facebooks. Everybody thinks that I am the Bluebell King. I wish they'd give me a portion of that so I could build about a 5,000 seat auditorium so I could house more people that need Jesus. But my heart is not in Bluebell. It's got my stomach, I guess. But I'm a little melancholy today. Good doctor looked in my face a while ago and he said, what you worried about, Pastor? I see worry. Yeah. I'm a little concerned today. Because I want you to bury your heart at the right place. I want you to place your allegiance in the right place. I want Jesus to be Lord of all of your life, not just some butler that waits on you when you get in trouble, not some emergency department that comes and saves you when you've had a wreck. No. I want you to love Jesus every day of your life. Bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to pray this prayer. Lord, help me today to prioritize the things that don't matter much but emphasize the lordship of you in my life that matters everything I want to emphasize that let me prioritize the things God that may not be that important but let me emphasize and that concludes today's message please visit clcaustin.com for their latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.